Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. This podcast was sponsored by 5E Leadership and Marketing. Hola, amigas. You know, Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom podcast was started by an idea to bring in leadership, but as well as technology to a business and understanding how marketing today through technology really impacts how we get our narrative, our communication of our brands, and also how we want to interact with people across the globe. With LatinasB2B.com, the podcast services that we provide under that are provided in a way that helps you understand your business, your service, and also how you present your communication style through this one-to-one audio. As we use many technology services to produce this podcast, we want to help you understand the benefits of leveraging technology to change the narrative, especially in 2024. So if you'd like to learn more, please reach out to us at latinasb2b.com and get in touch with us through our contact page. Gracias. Hola, hola. You know, do you remember how we got our information about COVID-19 and the aftermath of COVID-19 when things went into lockdown and how crazy it was through social media to get the right information? And also, How was it that our comunidad was not represented in any of the narratives in the larger distribution of news platforms and also why social media was promoting a lot of false narratives to our community? These are things that are out of our control because we have no ownership or very little in the digital news and media space. But that's going to change here today as we invite our guest. Nancy Flores, who grew up in the border town of Eagle Pass, Texas, Texas, and is a proud daughter of Mexican immigrants. She has specialized in writing about underrepresented Central Texas communities and has become an award-winning journalist and recent reporting from the Austin American Statesman, the Austin's largest news outlet, where she was in the thick of reporting during the pandemic. But now Nancy is the founder of a cultural media editor and publisher for a new digital news platform called Austin Vida. She was recently named one of Austin's top Latina entrepreneurs to watch by the digital news outlet Estonia, now called ATX Today. Her contributions to Austin's Latino community recently earned her an award of excellence in media arts from the city's Mexican-American Cultural Center. And in 2019, Romescala named her the nation's Latino columnist you should be reading. Hola, Nancy. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. You know, we're counting down the days, the last few days here in uh, 2023. And what a year it has been politically Right. I think all of us can kind of take a step back and just say the news and the media coverage of so many events this year have really impacted us. And not just through 
traditional media outlets like TV and, you know, radio, but also in social media. It's like we're almost bombarded. But the narrative, right, is really biased into who owns these media companies, which is why I have you on this podcast today to talk about your community resource around the Latino community in Austin, which is your publication is called Austin Vida, and how you were working at the Statesman in Austin, which is the larger publication there in Texas, in Austin. And we kind of focused a little bit on too much of a narrative that doesn't represent a lot of communities. And that's why I have you here to talk about that. So welcome, Nancy. That was kind of a long introduction, but I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. Hola, mil gracias. And thank you for your platform of uplifting Latinas. And we we sure could use more of it. Oh, yeah. No, there is a, a definite increase in listenership across the Latino population. And I've said this in previous podcasts and also on the website, there is a whole Latino listener report that was done by Edison about the different generations and where they're gathering their news and how more Latinos are are starting to listen to podcasts, but mostly through YouTube, which this podcast is also listed on because of the platform, the global reach that YouTube has. And most Latinos go to YouTube for lots of things. So it's really important that we talk about the correct narrative and and the publication of information that's being put out, especially for 2024, which I've been saying for some time now. So gracias, Nancy, for being here. So I want our listeners to understand more about Nancy, because I just love everything you do. And for those of you that don't know, I have met Nancy through a a leadership mastermind kind of group. And she is just amazing how she started Austin Vida. I know her story, but I want her to share her story with us today and how she came to choose Austin Vida and just journalism in general as her career path from a small town in Texas. So I'm going to give that platform to you, Nancy, to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose journalism as your career path. Yes, gracias. I'm from a small town. It's called Eagle Pass, Texas. It's a small border town across from Piedras Negras, Coahuila, Mexico. And like a lot of folks who grew up on the border, my family went back and forth. And the borderlands are a very unique space. And so it was all very fluid for me. I like to say that, you know, if you think of a braid or a trenza, it has three strands and one strand is my Mexican heritage. Another strand is like my American upbringing. And, and the third is that middle space where I go back and forth. And, you know, I still feel that way. You know, that space in between uh, is what is part of our superpower. Right. The whole history of Tejas in general has such a rich, steeped history of Latinos and Most of us, you know, that don't understand when we say we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. There's a lot of history in how that formation came. And so I think the border towns there have a lot of history around how they stay connected. I just feel like what you just said is like that there is no border, right? It's like there is no border. It's just that we was put there for us, you know, for a lot of people. 
to have this kind of barrier. And I think we're going to get into today is talking about the barriers of reaching our full potential, but also, you know, how we get there and the information, right, to lead us into, I want to say, more community-focused motivation and, you know, changes, right? So tell us, you know, growing up in that border town, was that something you saw that said, I want to become a journalist? Yeah, you know, I think for a lot of first generation in this country, that can be tricky to figure out what a career path is, especially if you have not seen that in previous generations. And I've known since, you know, probably about junior high that I wanted to pursue journalism. And in hindsight, I'm not really sure, you know, how that came to be because my family, you know, we didn't have office jobs (laughs) or anything like that. My parents had an agricultural background and restaurant background. And so that wasn't a career path that I knew about. And I think a lot of folks who are first generation, like we don't have that roadmap, you know, to tell us of, okay, here's the career path and here's how you can get there. I knew I liked to write and I just didn't know how that was going to manifest into a career. I think one of my earliest memories was in junior high, having a professor who was from the Philippines, and she was a former broadcast journalist in the Philippines. And she would tell us about, you know, some of the stories that she would cover. And she was chaparrita like me, and she was a woman of color, and she spoke Spanish. And I think that was maybe a seed that was planted of like, huh, I'd like to write. Maybe this is a path forward. And seeing someone who I could relate to was big in planting that seed and making me feel like, hey, well, if she did it, maybe I can too. And were stories like an important part of you to like not create stories, but like, hey, I want to write about this. Is that something that you saw? Like, I want to report on my stories in my community so that people know about this place or the school because you saw this other woman, right? She was a champarita and the story she was telling you, like you said, planting the seed, was that something that you saw like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to be the next Barbara Walters? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that was more instilled in me once I left the borderlands because when I was there, most of the folks looked like me, had shared experiences. That was all I knew. I didn't realize that, you know, that there were folks out there who didn't know what my farm workers were, you know, because a lot of my friends were, you know. I didn't realize that there were people who didn't know what border life meant or living in a colonia, you know, an unincorporated community, you know, without like the basic access to water I didn't realize until I left that people don't know about this. (laughs) They don't know what it's really like. And I didn't know that I was really different until I left, especially in college. That was a big culture shock. I attended college in Austin and coming to Austin from Southwest Texas was a whole different world. And I was hit with that culture shock of where my gente? Where do I belong? People don't talk like me. People aren't eating the same foods as me like we did on the border. And it was really being out of my comfort zone that propelled me to 
say, hey, people need to know about this. And they're not stories in the newspaper about like families like mine. One of my first stories as a student journalist in college was about the colonias and the lack of water. And and I grew up in a colonia and, you know, that was meaningful to be able to shed light into issues like that from a first person knowledge. What is a colonia? Can you tell us what that is? Because when we talk about borderlands and unincorporated areas and they're called colonias and, and the lack of water, which is, you know, really shocking to me. I mean, we're one of the number one industrial nation, you know, most powerful. And it's just shocking to me that people still don't have running water in the United States. Yeah, these still exist. Colonias still exist in different places around the country. And and the resources that they have vary. Some have, you know, no access to water and some do and some don't have access to sewage and some do, some have paved roads, some, you know, it's, it varies a lot, but it's basically the, the city, they're unincorporated. So they're independent, often connected maybe to in Texas are called counties. And yeah, there's definitely a, a lack of some basic necessities that they're still being seen today. And there are different levels of what colonias, you know, today have access to, you know, they're still part of our country. Yeah, that's just unbelievable and crazy to me. But it takes a lot of people to kind of, you know, work that system in Texas. I mean, I hear so many things and how we need resources and truth. And I feel like you have been at the forefront of that when you worked at the Statesman at Austin, right? Because you got a job there as a journalist. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I've been a journalist for many years working for legacy media organizations across the country and in Texas and in Mexico, too. So, you know, I'm no stranger to reporting on hurricanes, on tornadoes, on natural disasters, on so, you know, COVID was unprecedented. So that was scary for everyone and was definitely, you know, on a different level. I was a reporter at the Austin American Statesman. That's the local daily newspaper in Austin, Texas, when COVID hit. And for for Austin, it actually really became real when South by Southwest was canceled for the first time. And that was when it sunk in of like, this is something. Yeah, South by Southwest brings in, I don't know how many, maybe, is it close to a billion dollars in revenue or something crazy? Like it takes over the entire city. I mean, I was there and... uh it was like a small thing and then it grew into this, you know, giant thing. And so when a city loses out on that much money, which is weird to say that, right? It's like, oh, then we feel the pain, right? <laughs> it's like it's a real thing, right? <laughs> yeah, the economic impact is definitely big. And yeah, when that was canceled, then we knew, hey, there's something to this virus. And, you know, of course, we knew from there, you know, March 2020, I was a reporter. Things got crazy really quick, really fast. The news was happening faster than we could write it. And basically working around the clock as updates were happening. 
as soon as you wrote something, the news changed and had to be updated and things were happening really quickly. Of course, later we saw protests, you know, around the country after George Floyd. And we saw that, you know, in Austin, Texas, too. I was a reporter covering some of the protests at Austin police headquarters and showed up like many reporters wearing our masks, of course, to protect us from, you know, pandemic. I feel like at that time there were no vaccines yet. You know, I was wearing a helmet because of the violence that had been happening between protesters and police. There were rubber bullets that were flying. So, you know, we had to protect ourselves from that. And there was also some like, you know, pepper spray and things like that that were being hurled at the crowds as well. So I was also wearing goggles, a helmet, the mask, and then <laughs> reporting out there. And it was just like, man. And, you know, at the same time, we're trying to do a job. And there's also like, a lot of sort of anti-media sentiment. So at the protest, because tensions were very high. And so at the same time, we're also, you know, navigating not only our like physical safety and trying to report the news, you know, as accurately as possible and as empathetic as possible. I think for journalists today, right, especially when you're covering the big topics, you know, especially around the world, and I see them on TV wearing almost like combat gear, you know, they have to wear vests and helmets and all these things. I just, to report the news is just so amazing to me and that you have done that and that it is scary but you're like no I got to report this because it's really important to my community right I mean I think it takes such bravery and think that you doing that during COVID and that's amazing to me Nancy that's really um powerful I mean some people would be like I'm out peace you know (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not not doing that. (laughs) I'm seeing all those, you know, folks come together on the streets, literally demanding for change. It was also inspiring to me on a personal level. At that time, Austin Vida had been this dream of what if I could lead this Latino news and culture site that focused on our gente and maybe someday what if and being out there and seeing people demand change and wanting something different than what was out there really was impactful for me to think on a personal level, how can I step up for my community? And and my way of doing that was launching Austin Vida and making sure that there's a platform on the local level that, you know, not just informed and amplified our stories in the stories of our gente, but that they also celebrated the stories of our gente, which was something that I really felt was missing from, you know, my years of of reporting. Oh, wow. You know, you and I, we had talked earlier and we always talk, a lot of us out there, we always talk about being the only one in the room sometimes because of the spaces, right? These large corporations. And when you talk about legacy media, we're talking about the big news corps, you know, that are being owned by, you know, white men. And there aren't very many media outlets that are owned by people of color or even women, right? And so we're starting to see a little surge about that. 
a lot of women of color coming together, creating their own platforms for media. Just a quick recognition about a few of them, like the Luz Media and Bold Latina. And there's a few of them out there, Latino USA. You know, these are women that said, you know, basta ya. We're going to change the narrative here. We're going to report on our community, right? But those are national, right? They have a global platform. So can you talk to us a little bit about the local news, like why that's important? I mean, national news, yes, is very important around the globe. But why is local news really important, like for you to start Austin Vida? Yeah, what's been happening just, you know, over the past two decades in the local news landscape is, you know, we're seeing the news outlets, we're just seeing them shrink. We're seeing layoffs, we're seeing them disappear completely sometimes, which is leading to, you know, what's called news deserts. So you have so many communities without any local news or access to information. And when something like COVID happens, or there's how do you get the most accurate information from your neighborhood, from your, you know, community. And, you know, it's no secret that there's a lack of representation in media and not only in the coverage, but in the journalists producing the work. And as I've seen, there's also, it's not enough that we bring in diverse journalists, but that we also have these leadership positions that diverse journalists are, are not just like at the entry level, but that they're moving up into leadership positions and that we're also owning the news outlets. And so the future of news, I believe, depends on these new voices, on these diverse voices, on these different lived experiences. And that's not going to happen when everyone at the top looks the same. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you hit it right on the head because that's how, you know, you talk about having all these big corporations being homogeneous and, you know, people like them at the top. And this brings in a really interesting subject that I, I just thought of when you were talking about, <laughs> you know, the whole Univision debacle that's been happening. I'm sure you're aware of that, right? In how they were supporting the Trump narrative and, you know, how they're partnered, you know, and all these Latinos that are in media, like Maria Hinojosa, when she came out to talk about the debacle of Univision on, I believe it was MSNBC, you know, saying that this is embarrassing to the Latino community because we are not all, you know, they want to lump us into a narrative, right? Like we all support this candidate. We're going to do one thing. And that is not. And I'm so glad there was a lot of pushback about that. I'm, I think, like you said, we want change. We want to see different voices. We want to see the representation. But when we see this type of thing that comes out publicly, you know, I just want to get your opinion. Like, how did you feel about that? Because I was really upset about it. And I'm like, you know, I'm not even full. I want to say Spanish speaking is is not even my first language. You know, I'm a third generation I don't speak very fluent Spanish, but I know a lot about Univision and the programs that they have. And it was just very shocking to me that this is a global network and the stance they were taking as far as media. I mean, I just want to expand upon that. Like, what did you think about that? I mean, I think it goes back to that media ownership. Televisa has a big stake in, in Univision and when these powerful players are owning our media, you know, it's 
gets tricky. It's it gets dangerous, you know, making sure that we have an accurate and like holistic representation of who we are is important. And the role of independent media, I feel like that's where we're needed. There can't be just like certain powerful voices driving the narrative. And yeah, when we talk about representation, you know, just throughout my journalism career and and stories that I've been reading and it's, you know, we often see the coverage lean towards either Latinos being portrayed as criminals or victims. And there's these buckets, right? And so that's why it was important when launching Austin Vida that that this was a holistic representation that, you know, it shouldn't be an afterthought. And that's why the like, that celebration part was important in our mission that we're not just stereotypes or monolithic, like Mariana Hosa said, we're also the movers, the shakers, you know, the key makers, as you say. And it's important to to highlight, you know, those stories as well. I'm a big believer in that, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. And so for me, it's really important to ensure that, you know, the gen- next generation, you know, if they're seeing stories in their local online news outlet, that if they're seeing themselves in there and they're seeing, you know, stories of these change makers, that my hope is that then they create the change in their communities and in their, whether that's like in school or in their campuses or when they get out into their first jobs and that they're, that is not a strange thing to see themselves in the news represented in an accurate way that it's becomes a norm of like, oh yeah, we're, we're CEOs, we're making things happen, we're elected officials, we're And it's not this weird thing to see those kind of stories that it's like, yeah, just ingrained in them as and hopefully inspires them to to keep moving. Right. And I think that's the identity and the and the culture that we hold on to, especially for me to start this Latinas from the block to the boardroom. The narrative change for me was being in Silicon Valley and being the only one in the room. It's like, why is this still happening There's so many brilliant women like you and all of us, you know, the narrative is, you know, I always say we're either the JLo's and the Shakira's and good for them. You know, we support them. You know, we're seen as these low wage workers and victims, like you said, but there's like such a big piece in the middle, right, that we are working on like platforms like this. We're lifting community. We're being the change makers, like you said. So I agree with you 100%, Nancy. That's why I embrace you. And I want to talk about Austin Vida because what you're doing is really, I think, powerful in creating a celebration of our cultura there in in Texas, which, you know, Texas is, you know, Texas. And, and I see a lot of Latinas rising up in Texas and for good, because things aren't going to change unless we really come together as a community. Can you share like what that journey has been like for you? Because I think you didn't know you were going to be blossoming as much as you are, which is why I have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, we were recently voted Best Latino Media in Austin. And that was really just 
that was never part of the the dream, you know, and so things are starting to happen that are bigger than what I could have dreamed of, you know, and just really grateful for that is that reward, especially because that was voted on by the community. And so that came from, you know, people voting for Austin Vida and saying like, hey, we, we want to hear more. We're supporting. So that community support has been crucial to our growth and to the trust that we have in the community, which is ultimately what is going to help, you know, Austin Vida continue to grow. And, you know, we've since launching, we've been, you know, boots on the ground. If there's a Latino event in town, we try to be there face to face and build those relationships. And the biggest thing is we're flipping the script as far as how stories are created in a lot of the bigger newsrooms. The stories are coming internally, you know, from the editors and reporters there. We're going out and telling and asking folks, what do you want to see in a community news outlet like this? What are some stories that you can't find anywhere else and but you really want to know about? Like, what parts of our cultura are you interested in? All of that feedback is what's shaping, you know, Austin Vida. And it's really, I'm not building this alone. I'm building it alongside the community. And every time I feel like, what did I get myself into <laughs> of becoming this news entrepreneur? There's always somebody from the community who is like, hey, what's going on with Austin Vida? Orale, let's go. We need you. There's this going on and that going on. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And there's that push of like, go, 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 because because this was something that was needed, you know, and I think that's it has resonated with folks and people want it to not only exist, but succeed. And so that has been just really gratifying to know that that mission resonates with a lot of folks. Yeah, I love it. And I'm just going to say this. I want to plug you like into the South by Southwest community because her publication, when my first South by Southwest, I really wanted to plug in to a lot of the, you know, Latin uh, shows, the platforms, all the things that had our community really involved. And if you don't know South by Southwest, it is the biggest event that takes over the entire town of Austin. So many things to do. And you get to see entrepreneurs, artists, and, you know, the Latino community of their art and film and publications and music from around the globe. I mean, it just all lands in Austin. And it can be very overwhelming. I was seriously overwhelmed. But Nancy, because I knew Nancy, and that is like the number one thing she covers every year in her publication, has a guide to all the things happening in that event that if you didn't know where to find anything regarding community, you could just easily get overwhelmed. But Nancy has it dialed in. So if you're a South by Southwest attendee, wanting to know about the films, the music, the events that you should be attending to support Comunidad, 
Austin Vida is that publication, hands down. I'm just saying that right now. It saved me so much time, and I was so happy to plug into all those events. And they were highly recommended and just by the community. Also supporting, like, yes, we're all going here. Yes, we're all going here. And here's these, you know, shows you should attend. And you really can get your calendar together if you are an attendee coming from outside of Austin, from the globe, actually, and plugging into Austin Vida. So, Nancy, I that's a big shout for you because I'm telling you, you saved me hours, hours, <laughs> like, trying to put my calendar together <laughs> for that event. That's all I got to say. Yeah, every month we publish a cultura guide. And so we curate the best of Latino cultural arts in the city. And while on the surface, that may look like, hey, here are all the cool, fun things to do, which we love that. (laughs) But they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I often feel that, you know, the, the heavy lifting that something like that does, you know, and the power behind it when you see it all together, is that you feel like you belong. And that's what we want, you know, those guides to do, because there there's a lot of feedback. And the way those guides came about was hearing that feedback from community saying, hey, we moved here from this city and that city, and we don't know what to do. Or like, where are some safe places downtown that we can feel like our authentic selves and so that's where that guide came from of like, hey, well, let's curate this cultura guide and and make it easy for folks. Uh, but ultimately, when you see it together, that's, you know, the power behind it of saying, hey, you do belong here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also for advertisers, I think if you're trying to plug into a guide that's going to get a lot of eyeballs for one of these events, especially South by Southwest. I mean, this is an area of replugging into like local publications that have a big reach. And for Nancy, I think that's a big thing for you. Are you doing big brand advertising? Are you looking at that? Or is it strictly just going to be organic? Like, what is that? Because you have to have some revenue model going into this. I mean, you just can't like fly by, you know, all donations. I mean, how do you structure that to kind of fuel like the staff and the interns that you're now hiring. That's what I mean by your blossoming. So can you share a little bit about that? Are you looking at brands? Are you looking at advertising revenue for this? Yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the the biggest challenge for, well, all media, but especially small independent media is how do we not just create these community news outlets, but then how do we keep them sustainable? And to make sure, for me, I want to make sure that that Austin be that, you know, outlives me and that a new generation can can keep telling our stories. And that motivates me, the longevity and how do you build that? And so that means, you know how they say you've got to learn all the rules before you can break them. I feel like my years working in, you know, these mainstream media outlets, I've been learning all the rules. And now with Austin Vida, I'm like shaking things up and breaking them, which I feel like you've been doing as well, you know, have been working in in tech and now, you know, you're breaking them as well. So that means looking at different business models, you know, looking at different ways 
that maybe a bigger organization, you know, couldn't do, but because we're nimble that maybe we can try this and we can experiment. And yeah, I mean, right now we've been reader supported. We've also have gotten some grant support and yeah, in 2024, we'll be launching our sponsorship program. And so, yeah, we're excited to, you know, work with other organizations and businesses that are aligned, you know, with our mission that we can uplift each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the key thing, right, is alignment. Because I know for me, I've had big brands come to me and I'm, I have had to say no, because I, I'm like, they're not aligned to what we're really talking about. And sometimes I've had to make the hard choice But I'm not saying no to everybody. It just has to be the right fit. And I think a lot of brands are trying to readjust their kind of dollars to say, how risk adverse do we want to be? Because we're missing out on a lot of opportunity. You know, growth in a community, but also being aligned to the mission is very important. And I think that just goes for anybody wanting to start a business and you're looking at revenue models and business models to really sustain that part. And and Nancy, I think you're on the right path. And like you said, you know the rules to break the rules. And I love that. Austin Vida is a local publication down in Austin, Texas. We all have heard that sound, keep Austin weird. But you know what? Austin is Latino, okay? And so is Texas. It is a majority of Latino population. And celebrating the, the gente and the culture down in Austin is where Nancy Flores is really changing things around that narrative of celebration of la gente in in Austin. So it's austinvida.com if you want to check out the publication and sign up for her Cultura Guide, which comes out monthly. And I'm telling you, I am not lying hands down. The South by Southwest Cultura Guide is like your, it's like your entertainment map to all things Latino and during that time. I'm not kidding. Big time saver. And we all have to support the local media because like we were talking earlier in this podcast about, you know, news deserts and being, you know, not represented correctly, the narrative that is being pushed out through large media corporations. This is very important, especially going into the 2024 election year. The Latino community is a big mover for this next election. So it's really important for us to get our facts, our resources, and how we can align and support one another in the coming years, to be honest. And I'm so happy, Nancy, to have you on the show to talk about your Austin Vida local news outlet and the Cultura Guide. And is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we leave today? Uh, You know, um, we're based in Austin, Texas, but wherever you live, make sure to check out the local independent news scrappy organizations, grassroots that are like bootstrapping it. And because we care about the community and we care about informing y'all and making sure that that these small independent news sources continue to exist and, and to thrive. Yep, absolutely. So gracias, Nancy, for joining me today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Gracias. Gracias, Nancy, for joining me today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. You know, the information today and our resources of truth are very important and how we receive them. 
So if you'd like to learn more about Austin Vida, you can go to austinvida.com and learn more about the publication that they are presenting to the Latino community in the outer Texas area, as well as Texas, the cultural arts and information. Currently, they are running a Support Us campaign, which they are getting matched dollar for $2 that you donate to them until the end of December 2023. So if you'd like to help them out and support local digital news, you can reach out to them at austinvida.com slash support dash us. That's U-S to help them out. If you'd like to learn more about Nancy Flores, she can be reached at LinkedIn under Nancy Flores at Austin Vida. If you'd like to follow them on Instagram, you can follow them at Austin Vida. This podcast was produced by Teresa E. Gonzalez of 5E Leadership and Marketing, LatinasB2B.com, and LatinasB2B.marketing. Audio engineer and sound design and co-produced by Robert Lopez of Crates Audio. If you'd like to learn more about podcasting services and how we can help support your business through sponsorships in reaching the Latino audience, you can reach us at info, that's I-N-F-O, at latinasb2b.com. Gracias. Gracias.